Can you hear me? I can hear you. You're on speakerphone oh now, aren't God, you? I can barely hear you. You're on speakerphone, aren't you? I just put myself on speakerphone. Can totally tell. <laughs> you can totally tell. Absolutely. Yeah, okay. Um, hold on. I'm going to close my office. I'm turning off my music. Now it sounds like we really are live from Studio THX 1138 <laughs> on Moose Maze Alpha. <laughs> okay, how's that? Yay! Oh, perfect. Oh, because you guys sound like crap. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. But, that, but that's it. every day. Chaz, you're totally breaking up. I know. You're not going to be able to hear me. Oh, fabulous. It, 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 it's and the just, other guys are jealous, right? Just the way we, just the way we like it. <laughs> I cut my finger. Chaz, you're going to make Tom say that? No, don't. <laughs> going to make me say what? No one's going to make me say anything. Did you see what he wrote for you to say? Script yeah, when have I ever read anything that he writes for me? <laughs> you can read the same script he's typing? Yeah. Okay. Um, like, no, don't. Okay. So he's, he's, doing, he's doing it in Google Docs, so even as he's typing, I'm seeing his changes. Okay. Okay, Cash? Yes? Hi. Hi. Um, okay, are we recording? Have been for seven minutes now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having a bad day. All right, go. Okay. Five, four, three, two, one. Hello there. This is Chad Snee. I'm the editor of Lynn Stamp News and the Scott Publishing Company, and you're listening to Stamp Show here today. Look at them, madam. Have you ever, in your entire life, seen anything so beautiful? I'm sorry, I don't know anything about stamps. This is the gentle art of philately, otherwise known as stamp collecting. Here's a pile of stamps carefully culled from swap meets and garage sales. Rupert, what are you thinking of? Oh, I was just thinking of all the years I've wasted collecting stamps. Oh, like stamp collecting. Now, that's all right. That's quite a nice hobby, that. Yes, but it's not enough. Don't you understand? I'm lonely. I'm so terribly lonely. All right, Homer! You beat those stamp Nazis with good old-fashioned American complaining. Oh, if it weren't for you, we'd be at the mercy of weekend philatelists. You know, why didn't you just say stamp collectors? Because I'm tired of dumbing myself down for you. From Spain and two from Japan. I got a couple from Israel and Azerbaijan. I got a plenty from Poland, but none from Sudan or from Fiji or Stamp collecting happens when we dream together. Live from Studio THX 1138 on Moonbase Alpha, this is Stamp Show Here Today, episode number 134. I'm Cash. I got food poisoning today. I don't know when I'm going to use it, though. <sighs> wow, you got an ugh even in your <laughs> intro. This is Tom, and there again once a... As always, there's no way I'm reading what Cash wrote for me because it's terrible. <laughs> Let's just say Cash doesn't take baths, though. I'm Jim Forty. I'm a postal history dealer in uh, Las Vegas, Nevada. I'm Jim Capel, club president of a local club in Las Vegas, Nevada. And I'm your stamp mistress, Dawn. I saw this thing in a cartoon, so I think I can do it. This day in history, August 1st. 1936 was the opening of the 1936 Olympics in Berlin. 
there are many stamps of this, and we have special guest Jim Forty on. Jim, what do you have? I brought with me a range of postal history from the 1936 Olympics, primarily the Summer Olympics, with cancels from the various venues at the Olympics and events, uh, competitions during the Olympics, some picture postcards, some slogan cancels. And I also bought an interesting book, Philately of the Third Reich. Propaganda was very, very important to the Third Reich, and it was certainly used in philately, and it shows the different cancels and to some extent the, the stamps that were issued as well as the propaganda cards, and it's just a fascinating way to look at what was happening. What's the title of the book? So people, because there's no way we can hold it up to the microphone. <laughs> the book is entitled Philately of the Third Reich by a gentleman named Alf Harper, H-A-R-P-E-R, I believe that you can get this in a PDF on eBay these days. This is an old-fashioned uh, paper book, but I do believe you can still, you can, this has been PDF'd and you can get one online in that manner. And, it, you know, it's, it's very useful for, you know, being able to read the Gothic German because the cancels aren't always easiest to read if you're not familiar with the script and they... They give some of the, the thought and the ideas behind the various events that were being uh, you know, being commemorated. Yeah, so everybody, this is the 1936 Olympics. This is with uh, Adolf Hitler and uh, the Spanish uh, boycotting it and the Russians boycotting it and Jesse Owens running all over the place. And uh, by the way, he wasn't snubbed by... Uh, Adolf Hitler was he James? No. It, what, what, <laughs> you, I'm you, typing you a note. You even had a little story about that one. Yeah. It, well, the common belief was that he was snubbed by uh, Hitler, but uh, Jesse re relates a story that he walked by and he waved his hand at me and he waved and I waved back. He didn't snub, but it was FDR that snubbed him. The president didn't even send him a telegram. Yeah, I heard about that one, too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hitler was criticized for this, and the Olympic Committee insisted he did. He was to meet and greet all the medalists, or none at all. So Hitler didn't go to any of the medal presentations, and which followed include one after Jesse Owens won his four medals. He met with the German win winners outside the stadium afterwards. But FDR didn't. FDI didn't even acknowledge that we went to the Olympics. Yeah. Happens. Well, the Olympics started, what, August 1st, and today is August 3rd, so we're almost celebrating whatever the math is on that. I think that's the uh, 260th anniversary or something like that. My math might be off. <laughs> but, just, uh, a, just a bit. <laughs> <laughs> So what do you have that's neat? And I'll uh, take a picture of it and I'll put it on uh, Facebook so that people can uh, see what we're talking about. Well, I, I've got a pretty good range of things here. Most of them are event covers um, or commemorative cancels for the different events that happened. Most of them are franked with the stamps that were issued. There was this two series of semi-postal stamps, one issued for the Winter Olympic Olympics in uh, Garmisch-Partenkirch. And then the second one your, for your what? Garmisch Partenkirch. I'm not that good pronouncing <laughs> German. Garmisch. It's south of Munich in the Alps. Okay. Okay. If you're ever driving from Munich and driving to Innsbruck, it's about halfway. 
Um, at any rate, there was a set of three semi-postal stamps issued for the Winter Olympics and a longer set uh, for the Summer Olympics. The stamps are not particularly scarce or rare. Um, there's a premium for never hinged, as with most German from this times. But these are all covers. Um, you know, some of them are on postcards of events. They were also issued postal stationery. Uh, they issued postal stationery in the domestic rate of six pfennigs and the international rate of 15 pfennigs. Um, there were also slogan cancels, which were issued to, you know, to promote the games ahead of time. There were a range of those. Now, some other things which I don't happen to have with me because I don't have... Oh, hold on. To... Go back. Go back. Okay. I like that one. Yeah, this I, is... I'm going to put that one on Facebook. Okay, good. Yeah, this is an... What, what Cash is talking about, this is a uh, colorful picture postcard of the Olympic Stadium. Most of the other postcards are real photos. Is not nearly so colorful. Um, you know, and there were... Uh, the, the stationery encompasses both the stadium and uh, some of the different uh, events. I mean, there's registered items. There's you know, items going overseas. Here's one with the um, the brown the brown derby souvenir sheet canceled at an Olympic venue. Now, unfortunately, that's some of, the horse one, right? Yeah, yeah. There were almost every year. I believe it was in Munich. There was a brown derby race, and they issued a stamp, and a couple of them were souvenir sheets. Now, a couple of very interesting things, which I, unfortunately I don't have, is, is there was a, a, a commemorative flight of the Hindenburg. Now, the Hindenburg was the second major German Zeppelin, the first being the Graf Zeppelin. Most of the Graf Zeppelin's flights were commemorative and special in nature, primarily for philatelists. But the Hindenburg actually carried a lot of mail. They made in 36, I believe, 10 flights to North America and I think maybe a, a 10 or 12 going to South America and much of that mail is commercial. You need to know you need to look at the markings of the covers, the dates just to tell whether it went on the Zeppelin. But there was this the Olympic flight which was much like the Graf Zeppelin flights didn't particularly carry a lot of mail except for collectors. And those are pretty desirable. They're usually franked with the souvenir sheets with this from the stamps. I don't happen to have any of those with me. Now, this is the souvenir sheet with the four stamps on it? Yeah, off the top of my head, I can't remember the number of stamps. But I think there were two or three different souvenir sheets. Yeah. And they contained, you know, various stamps from the set. And also one of the nicer cantles to get are the ones that were from the Olympic Village. And the German word for that is Dorf, D-O-R-F. And don't happen to have any of those now. But, um, you know, and it, during the Third Reich, you can find a, an absolute myriad of uh, covers that show the stamps that were issued for propaganda purposes, the cantles that were issued for propaganda purposes, often combined thereof, the stationery. There were picture postcards with franking and post, and also as postal stationery with franking. Um, it, was a, it was a part of the regime. I have a question for Jim. Um, I've packed up all my stuff to move, so I couldn't bring this cover. Cancellation I have for the Olympics. I'm swearing that I do have one that has a swastika eagle. Yeah, there are. There's definitely one like that. Um, you know, frankly, a lot of German cancels have swastikas, yeah. and frankly, most of most of the stationery has. Well, not all of it, but I mean, a lot of the stamps have swastikas. There's not as many. On the Olympic things, um, you know, I mean, again, what you can do is, is if you want to take a moment and go through the book, this yeah. shows the primary cancels. Yeah, hold it up to the microphone so everybody can see it. Yeah, there yeah, you go. There, there I mean, is. you can. But the point of it is, is that that's not <laughs> uncommon. 
Um, absolutely not uncommon to see swastikas, and I get, but there were fewer on the Olympic stuff than on other things. Yeah, well, was, well, they were being boycotted for everything. You know, it was mm-hmm. kind of the last minute that the United States said they were going to do it, and when the United States said yes, then everybody did, except for Russia and, and Spain. And the United States uh, also backed down on two people running in the Olympics because they were Jewish. Another nope. appeasement to another nation that didn't work. What, what, what was that about? Um, it was the sprinters, American Jewish sprinter Sam Stroller and Marty Glickman. And they were the only two Jewish Olympic team members that were pulled by the, pulled by the American Olympic Committee from the 4 by 100 relay race on the speculation that they would embarrass Hitler by having two Jewish win gold medals. Oh, heaven so they forbid, were pulled heaven from the, forbid. And they were pulled from the race. If you were a subscriber to Home Box Office, HBO, there was a documentary on Marty Glickman, which goes into this. Now, Marty Glickman was a sportscaster, and he was the play-by-play man for the New York football giants in the uh, 60s and 70s. So, you know, he's somebody that if you grew up in that time in that area, you would certainly remember. But it goes through the entire... The entire process of him going out there and literally being pulled at the last minute. Mm. And there was another sort of famous person who did compete. Um, it was a mental, his last name was Zamparelli, and he was the subject of the book Unbroken. Uh, during World War II, he was the navigator of a B-24 that crashed, and he and three other um, or two other um, crewmen were on a raft for weeks and weeks, and. He eventually, fa- he was eventually taken out of the water by the Japanese and spent a lot of years in a prisoner of war camp, and he passed away only a year or two ago in, in his mid-90s. There was a female that was Jewish female, the, uh, runner, I believe, that was boycotted by the German racing group that was sending people to the Olympics. She later, she died this year or two also, and I forget her name, but there was, she was Jewish and German, and they wouldn't let her run because of that. So, so let, let's, uh, let, let's go out on a limb here and say that, uh, Germany didn't like Jewish people. Is that a fair statement? You might want to... <laughs> Adolf Hitler didn't like Jewish people. And Goering didn't. <laughs> but well, the people did. They liked them. One of the interesting things I, I thought was that uh, the number two... Uh, this was held in, in Berlin. The second option or the second city that was competing was Barcelona, Spain. Hmm. And they got angry that they lost, so they boycotted the Berlin Olympics and were going to put on their own uh, Olympics. And what happened is the day before their Olympic game started, they declared war on themselves and started the <laughs> Spanish Civil War. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Now, the Russians didn't compete either. And uh, they were going to Spain. Yeah, it, yeah, they were <laughs> going to go to Spain. A lot of them were going to Spain. As a matter of fact, when the Civil War started up, a bunch of people all of a sudden said, "Ooh, I'm getting the heck out of here!" And a lot of people who were in Spain left. The uh, this was the first games that were televised, but they were televised kind of like closed circuit in the post office in Germany and Potsdam. Mm. 
you know, so Americans weren't the first with TV. Okay. You know, and it's also the level of philatelic collectibles created really, you know, this was the first time and really that wasn't done again until quite some time later. Really, you're not going to see anything like this kind of quantity of philatelic collectibles until Australia in 1956. Um, so it's, you know, when, you know, in 1940, there was, the Olympics were scheduled for Helsinki, but there was this little world war that got in the way. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if they even scheduled anything for 44 and 48, they were in London and gosh, 52, where were they in 52 anyway? I don't know. They were in Mexico in 64. No, 68, 64 68? was oh. Tokyo. <clears throat> oh yeah. He, that is correct. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, but, um. Jim, well, yes. you have a lot of stuff there. Why don't you tell everybody why you have all this stuff? Well, I am a dealer in U.S. and worldwide postal history. I have what is undoubtedly the largest site with offering worldwide postal history in the, in the world, postalhistory.com, all is one word. Uh, I got to Sp- fact check that. I don't know. Spelled just <laughs> like it sounds. I've got 230,000 items available. I think somebody else has 231. I I don't think so. And I also have a smaller site called stamps-plus.com, which offers the stamps when they're not on the envelopes. Ah. 32,000 items. Was it 56 you were talking about for where they were? Yeah. Uh, Melbourne, Australia. Oh, yeah, I knew. That 50, where was 52? Maybe that was Helsinki. Maybe they finally gave them to Finland in 52. I think they did. 52, yeah, Helsinki, yeah, Finland. Yeah, yeah, they, they, they got them when they lost them in, 40, in 1940. Yeah. In 1932, it was in L.A., and you had a whole bunch of stamps for that coming out. Well, there were, there were, two, there were two U.S. stamps, but there was, you know, there were not the same, there were not oh, no, commemorative, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. there were not commemorative cancels. Um, you know, there were covers you can find, and, you know, People that collect postal history of the Olympics look for things that were, you know, what they wind up having to get before 1936 are things that were canceled in the place of the Olympics and hopefully on a day where event, an event was happening. So it's a, it's, it's, you know, you know, they, they issued stamps, but, you know, the concept of covers and propaganda, that was definitely a German uh, invention. I want to share something, too, because you brought up earlier about the Zeppelin flights and telling the dates and stuff like that. Uh, the listeners probably know, but just in case you didn't, uh, Germany does not have, like, the month, then the day, then the year. They don't go July 4th, 1776. They would have said 4th July, 1776. Only the United States... Well, I won't. I can't say only, but primarily the United States uses. <laughs> yeah, there are a couple of month, day, year. Maybe Canada, but it's, no, it's Canada, pretty uncommon. No, Canada goes. So yeah, Canada. I'm Canadian grandmother. She wrote, taught me to write the European way. <laughs> Back to Moonbase Alpha. You need to tie the string between the tin cans a little tighter. <laughs> well, here's something that a lot of people didn't know. Like, we put our month in the beginning. And so they're out of order. And they call that Big Indian, where you have the big, or you don't have the smallest going to the largest. You have, instead of day, month, year, you have month, day, year. And they call that Big Indian. And I always thought that was interesting. And you also have Little Indian 
if you do it the other way. That came from Gulliver, Gulliver's Travels. Travels. <laughs> Not Gullible's Travels. Yeah. That came from Gulliver's Travels. And uh, there was a war in Lilliput where the king said everybody has to open their eggs on the little end. And the people who followed the king were little Indians. And the people who didn't follow the king are the big Indians. And so what they, uh, science took that and they now say that we're a middle Indian where we put the middle date on one of the ends. So when we do July 1st, 1925, we're being a middle Indian. And so when people read the German covers, you have to remember they go day, month, year, not month, day, year. And I know a lot of people who have screwed up on first day covers and event covers and stuff. They submit them and go, look at this. This was canceled on the day, I don't know, Hitler was assassinated. And you go, no, this was actually six months before because you have to reverse the day in the month. So anything else on Olympics or Germany in general? Other than bashing Hitler for being a really creep? <laughs> No, no one was bashing Hitler. Everybody loves Hitler, right? Uh, no, not really. <laughs> not really. So all, I, all I can think of now is one little, two little, three little Indians. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually interesting. Over the years when I've traveled to Germany, the one thing, the two or two things that Germans didn't much collect in Germany, the inflation era and the Third Reich, but as time has gone on, they are now avidly collecting both those areas. Well, well I, I love the inflation area. I mean, I'm an economist but at heart, and I just love the whole idea of uh, economic breakdown and stuff like that. My last little factoid that I looked up and found mm. was basketball was added to the program for the 1936 Olympics. In the final game, the United States beat Canada 19-8. to The contest was played outdoors on a dirt court in a driving rain. Because of this, the teams could not dribble, so the scores were minimal. <laughs> minimal? Minimal? I was going to say, how'd you get 19 to 8 in a basketball game? <laughs> well, it sounds like Dean's five-year-old corners. Well, I do know, like, three years later, there was a lot of fouling going on by the Germans with basketball. Okay. Hey, you know, there was something you missed in this day in history, by the way. Oh, okay. Yeah, August 1st in 19th, you were hatched. I mean, born. That is true. That is true. And thank you, everybody, who wished me a happy birthday on Facebook. Yeah, we were at dinner yesterday, and he kept claiming it was his birthday yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, the day before. <laughs> We get emails, so come in the answer squad. And we got an email from Mike P who says, Hello, Cash. Hello. Many thanks for entertaining my question on the podcast. I have a question that you might be able to answer. What is the best way to trade my duplicate stamp? I don't know any collectors to trade with directly. I'm wary of using online forums, but I might not know about the best one. I don't have time or valuable enough stamps to create an eBay or hip stamp account for selling them. I'm thinking that a local stamp club might be the way to go. 
I doubt a dealer would be interested in my low-value dupe. Perhaps you have a suggestion. If not, I understand. Many thanks. Well, we actually have a president of Stamp Club here, so, uh, you know, why don't you tell us a little bit about how people trade at a Stamp Club? Well, we have what was called, and is misnamed, a nickel night. <laughs> you bring in the extra stamps, sell them for a nickel, but, as I said, it's misnamed because I bought a large Cambodian collection for $500. That's not a nickel. And then... Um, we have a couple of members that have prices, fair market price, listed in their books. So Nickel Night is a misnomer. We have uh, a Boy Scout program that we get a lot of donations for. So what we've been doing the last few Nickel Nights is bringing in a 20-gallon tub of st stamps on paper, off paper, and laying it out on one of the tables. And we'll turn around and say, okay, anything on paper, two for one. So you're getting two stamps for a nickel. And also I asked the members to look for things that wouldn't be really appropriate to give to a Boy Scout. And if they find them, give them to me or keep them. Because I don't want to get in trouble with the Boy Scouts. Not appropriate? Like what? Nude stamps. I How would that be not appropriate? I think that would be a high-in-demand item there. We have a lot of Boy Scouts and church groups around here that wouldn't really fly good. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. There's a lot of religious statues you can have that are naked. True. Yeah. Yeah. If the church groups around here had statues on stamps, more power <laughs> to them. So uh, is this common? Like, Because I've been to several stamp. Everybody's tired of hearing me talk. I, I go to stamp, show, uh, stamp clubs all the time. We always buy, sell, trade. Stuff, you know, it's low-quality stuff. It's stuff like it sounds like this fellow has. And, you know, it tells. Well, we do a couple, three auctions a year. We try. And the members can sell anything they want at those auctions. And the club only gets 10% of the final bid price. And the member gets the balance. As I say, you could have anything you want stamp-related in there. I've done some very good volume buying. Matter of fact, my box lots have been bought there a few times. You know, that, that's one way of getting rid of the excess stamps is donate them to a non-charitable Boy Scout group, yeah, church group, or anybody. I think the fellow is writing, though, and saying either I want money yeah. or I want more stamps. Well, there's a trading that, that's thing. That's a little yeah. different there. You know, you could always give stamps away. We have a couple of members that... Well, we have one member in Australia and one in Costa Rica, but the one in Australia has done pen pal programs with people where he'll line up a, a collector in Australia who wants American stamps, and they'll trade back and forth. Mm. You know, that's another way of pen paling them. How, Jim, how about the last sentence? Well, I, I, I doubt a dealer would be interested in any of my low-value dupes. <laughs> Well, I mean, to specifically answer the question, I think going to a stamp club, you might find someone who would be interested in trading. But more realistically, you really should look into either perhaps in a Linz Classified. I don't think the APS has much in trading or, or there are exchange groups online. 
it's basically you send a hundred stamps and you get a hundred stamps. Now, is I I never I suppose that there's a possibility that you can send a hundred stamps and get nothing. I don't think that's terribly likely. You might not like what you get, but then you do it again with someone else, mm. and that probably is the best way. Well, also you have APS circuit books. Well, yeah. that gets into buying and selling. That's more complicated. Yeah. On your comment that there's no scams out there. We have received about two requests a month for exchange people, and we have come across a couple that, you know, we, the people send out stamps, get nothing back, and the same person will write us again, not knowing they've already written us and requesting okay. exchange. Well, that, that can certainly, it does happen. That can certainly happen. I mean, I know that I get emails from people wanting me to send them printed catalogs using high-value stamps. Mm -hmm. I don't usually bother. Yeah. Well, there was that story about the Nigerian prince who has been emailing people for like the last <laughs> 10 years trying to give away his millions, and he finally died. And they went into his apartment, and he literally just had stacks of money and said, nobody was returning my emails. Oh, <laughs> we're the crickets. Anything else? Is this the petering out section of the show? No, I'm going to advertise my club. Okay, why don't you give your club a plug? Tell people how to get in touch with it, what your website is, stuff like that. Okay, uh, Southern Nevada Stamp Club is an APS charter club. We're in Las Vegas. We cover members from Australia, Costa Rica, Germany. The dues are only $10 a year. Our main funding comes from auctions. And we have a mini auction every meeting where club members will donate their duplicate stamps, their excess stamps. Okay, the address of the meeting is Acadia Springs Independent Assisted Living Facility located at 8630 West Navos. I'm gonna spell that, N-E-V-S-O. Drive Las Vegas. So and you have a really young, spry group there. <laughs> the, the younger than the rest. The assisted living. <laughs> no, they're going to be moving to a funeral home soon. They're going <laughs> to save somebody a lot of money on transportation costs one day. <laughs> we are planning on moving to a Saturday meeting format. So our email address is Southern Nevada Stamp Club at gmail.com. If you go to the APS site, Click on the left-hand side on clubs, local clubs, and by state, we're the second one listed. Actually, we've got about 63, 68 members now, and we're quietly growing. All right, Jim, why don't you give yourself one last plug, too? I am a postal history dealer as well as a stamp dealer. I do have an office in Las Vegas, 8919 West Sahara, Suite 140. If you're ever in Las Vegas, you're welcome to come on by. Lots of stuff to look at, more than you could imagine. We're generally there from 10 to 4. Just give us a call, 702-222-0355. And if you like doing things on the Internet, you will find more covers than you can possibly imagine at postalhistory.com and about 32,000 stamps at stamps-plus.com. Tom, you got anything to plug? No. Nope, nothing for me to plug today. Nothing? Not any pen, pin trading or anything? No, I'm <laughs> I've been I'm so far out of the pin trading business. I have a pin yeah. I have a pin collection now. It's no longer trading. Well, Saturday I'll be at the Arcadia Stamp Show walking around saying hi to people. 
But that's no biggie because I'm there every month. That's true. Well, end abruptly. I think you just did. Okay. Thank you for joining us. This has been Cash, Scott, Tom, and I'm your host, Dawn. Continue the conversation at Stamp Show Here Today on Facebook. You can ask us questions, see pictures of the stamps, make comments, and add to the conversation on Facebook. You can also ask the experts your stamp questions at bluepaper at gradingmatters.com. You can listen to all of our past podcasts at stampshowheretoday.com, podbean.com, iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast listening platform. And as always, keep collecting. WC Stamps offers premium U.S. classic and rare stamps on eBay. They make sure that 90% of their inventory is always the lowest price listed. They also accept the best offers. Just search WC Stamps, all one word on eBay. Thank you for your support of the show. This episode of Stamp Show Here Today is brought to you by the Philatelic Book of Secrets, the book that teaches you about repurse, regums, color varieties, and much more. Get yours for $10 at www.philatelicsecrets.com today. Hi, this is Bob Prager with Gary Posner Incorporated, and we're in Long Island, New York, and New Jersey, and our philosophy of Gary Posner Incorporated is this. We would rather pay very fair prices on 9 out of 10 collections that we look at versus trying to just offer very low prices on 1 out of 2 and making a big score. That's never our philosophy. So if you want to be treated fairly, please give us a call anytime at 800-323-4279, and again, my name is Bob Prager.